welcome to day seven of the 12 days of Christmas. I'm Sherry, this is Tom, and we're going to start off by singing that verse for you. Are you ready? Yes. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans of swimming. Ah. The year, there are a couple of variations of this seventh verse of the 12 days of Christmas. One, the 1867, the 1875, and the 1879 versions all say swans swimming instead of swans, swans us swimming. swimming. I yes, mean, minor yeah. variation. Sure. We've seen this in other ver other verses already, okay? Also, that's right. Also, the 1900 version reads squabs a swimming. Yeah, squabs a swimming. So I was curious, what's a squab? Yeah. Okay. I, you don't know? No, I didn't. So I found out that a squab has a few definitions. I found this in the dictionary. We're going to talk about a couple of those today. Uh, one is, a squab is a cushion for a chair or a couch. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I doubt that's the definition we Don't want. Think so. A squab is also defined as a fledgling pigeon about four weeks old. Maybe. I'm not sure how well fledgling pigeons swim, but they probably swim better than couch cushions. <laughs> that's the best I can do. I, okay? I, would, I would think. How yeah. about some facts about Let's hear swans? Them. All right, you ready? Here we go. An adult male swan is called a cob, mm -hmm. like corn on the cob? Yep, that kind of. An adult female is a pen. Young swans are known as swanlings or as cygnets, and a group of swans is called a bevy or a wedge in flight. Kind of like some of the geese we talked about yesterday. Exactly. Yep. Several swan species are migratory, either wholly or partly. Yep. Did you know? Tell me. Did you know that swans are among the largest flying Birds. Actually, I did know that because I put this together. <laughs> okay, well, did okay. Yeah. The largest species, including the mute swan, trumpeter swan, and whooper swan, yep. can reach a length of over 59 inches. That's almost six feet. That's huge. And weigh over 33 pounds. And that's their wingspans can be over 10 feet. These wow. are huge birds. You yeah. might even say, big bird. Remember Sesame Street? Sunny big bird, big yellow days with the clouds away. Oh my God. Okay, Although birds do not have teeth, swans have beaks with serrated edges that look like small, jagged teeth. Yep. That's part of their beaks used for catching and eating aquatic plants and algae, and also mollusks, small fish, frogs, and worms. Yep. Question. Are swans mentioned in scriptures? I'm sure they are. You would have asked. Yeah. Well, that's a definite maybe. Okay. And this may be because it depends on which of the many, many versions of scripture you're reading. For our purposes today, we're going to look at the King James Version. Version in the KJV, okay, it's mentioned twice. All right. First in Deuteronomy 14. I'm going to begin in verse 11, and then I'm going to kind of jump down to verse number 16. This is what it says. It says, of all clean birds, ye, it's King James, okay. ye shall eat. But these are they of which ye shall not eat. The eagle, the vulture after his kind, and every raven after his kind, and the owl, and the night hawk, and the cuckoo, that's a new one for me, yeah, and the hawk after his kind, the little owl, and the great owl, and the swan. Ah, so they're not okay. supposed to eat swans. No, and we find in the similar listing in Leviticus chapter 11, both of these passages, in both of them, 
of the list, the swan is considered, and all these other animals, as unclean. They're not kosher for Israelites to eat, okay? And depending on which Bible translation you're reading, swans may be among those listed as unclean. Other versions use a different word for... They're just It's hard understanding which birds okay. you're talking about, all right? right? All right. So, and since we're mentioning eating swans, did you know that swan meat was regarded as a luxury food in England Aww. Yep, in the Thank reign of Elizabeth the I? A recipe for baked swan survives from that time. And that being the case, since this is a luxury food in England, I thought we'd have my son Micah. He's been practicing his British accent. Not only English, but he's kind of, it's kind of that Australian one. Australian I thought it was close accent. enough. Close enough. So we're going to have him read this recipe. It's quoted, by the way, uh, for this swan. Micah, okay. would you read this for us? Okay. I think Micah needs to have the whole place to himself right now. Go for it. Ladies and gentlemen. To bake a swan, you're first going to want to scald it and then take out the bones and parboil it. Then season it very well with pepper, salt and ginger. That's right, ginger. It's a big word. Then lard it. I don't even know what that is, but do it. And put it in a deep coffin. That's right, you want to bury it in the coffin with rye paste and, and with store of butter. Close it and bake it very well. Bake it to perfection. Exquisitely bake it. Bake it well. And when the when the when the when it is fully baked, fill the vent hole, yeah, the vent hole, with melted butter, and so keep it, serve it as you do beef pie. This has been how to cook a swan. I couldn't have said that better myself. Wow. So we are expecting people to make us some swan mm. pie and bring it by. All right. Okay. Mm. All right, you remember yesterday when we spoke about ways that the words geese, goose, and gander have been used in a variety of ways in the English language? Yep. Yeah. Well, today I have a few examples of the uses of the word swan that you might be familiar with. Are you ready? Ready to go. All right, perhaps the best known is the story about a swan as the fable, the ugly duckling. Yeah. Don't you love this? Story, let me read to you a little summary of it. Yeah. The story tells of a plain-looking little bird, the ugly duckling. His brothers and sisters, as well as the other birds and animals on the farm, tease him for being plain and ugly, so he runs off. In his wanderings, the ugly duckling comes across a flock of migrating swans, and he wishes to join them, but he can't because he's too young and he can't fly well enough. But later, when the ugly duckling approaches the swans, he's delighted to find that they accept him and treat him like one of them. Mm. When he looks at his reflection in the lake, he realizes, to his astonishment, that he has matured into a beautiful swan himself. When he flies off from the lake, he spreads his wings and joins them, finally having found a family. Uh, excellent, excellent. There's also the ballet Swan Lake. Yeah. Are you singing it at? Yeah, neither can I. It's a very famous classical ballet. Yes. It's based on the 1875-76 score by... Tchaikovsky. Yes. Thank you. Hmm? Viola player right here. Orchestra, <laughs> you knew it. All right. And there's also the Swan Song. Yeah, Swan Song. Which is a me metaphorical phrase for a final gesture, effort, or performance given just before death or retirement. The phrase refers to an ancient belief that swans sing a beautiful song just before their death, 
having been silent or alternatively not so musical right. during most of their lifetime. Yeah. And you know that swans are often a symbol of love or fidelity because of their long-lasting, apparently monogamous relationships. And this is true. Okay, it's interesting here. It leads me to a website that I found called creationmoments.com. It said this, most waterfowl, and that would be swans, are faithful to one mate over long periods of time. The swan, in particular, are champions of marital fidelity. Aww. Couples are faithful for life. Researchers say that they have recorded no cases of divorce among successfully <laughs> reproducing couples. So if they're going to divorce, they have to go get it recorded. I mean, this is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's got to go record. to courts, I guess. <laughs> Nor do they record any cases of marital infidelity among swans. Okay? How are you finding this? I actually read this. It's not on the description, but they, they, there's a certain type of swan that has a real unique beak. Okay, different colors. I think it's like black and yellow. And because of that, they're able to trace these guys over a long period of time. Some swans are living up to 26 years old, at least one of them. And so they were able to trace their life over a long period of years, and they found this stuff to be the way. Okay, they're wow. just, yeah, married. Interesting. Yeah. So, and get this if a mate is lost, so the husband or wife's swan dies, the surviving swan often takes over a year to settle down with another mate. Aww. Yeah, interesting. In one case, a survivor waited six years to marry again. Interesting. His yeah. Heart was broken. Yeah. For those kind of those uh, those married folk out there, okay? Remember your wedding vows? They went something like this. Till death do us part, all right? Marriage is a lifelong commitment. Like the swan, when we tie the knot, we're in it for the long haul. We're faithful unto death. Sure, if you remember in the uh, Christmas account as told in Matthew chapter 1, when Joseph and Mary were engaged, Joseph found out that Mary, his fiancée, was, was pregnant. She was expecting, and he knew that he wasn't the father. Okay, So not wanting to cause her family any more embarrassment or, or ridicule, he planned to divorce her secretly. But then God stepped in and he sent this message to Joseph, Joseph, letting him know that that child that she was pregnant with, she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and that he should go ahead and marry her as he had planned. Of course, Joseph obeyed these instructions. The Bible does a better job of explaining it than I do, so I'm going to have you begin reading in Matthew chapter 1, and I want you to start at verse number 18. All right. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you. And I am certain that... Joseph and Mary were were faithful to one another in their relationship. Okay, and the words "till death do us part," that's exactly what happened in their marriage relationship. 
You know, most people believe that Joseph died somewhere after Jesus was 12 and, and then before his crucifixion, that kind of that empty period that we have after he was a boy in the temple at 12, and then when he arrives on the scene again, you know, later in life when he begins his ministry. Hence... Our connection. connection. All right. Just like swans are champions of fidelity and are faithful for life, Joseph and Mary were as well. Yep. Wonderful. Yep. We hope that you enjoyed day seven of the 12 days of Christmas. We will be back tomorrow with day eight of the 12 days of Christmas. We are over halfway there. We are. Yeah. And before we leave, once again, here is our family presenting day seven of the 12 days of Christmas. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love came to me. Seven slides were swimming. Six keeps on laying. Tree.